Praise the Lord, Greater Life Church. I hope you've not lost your praise. It's what we all need more now than ever before. And I, I certainly believe that if anybody's got a reason to praise him, you and I have. Even if you look around in the present circumstances, we have so much to be thankful for. Certainly miss you. We're live here in the sanctuary and I've said it before, I say it again, this is not church without you being here. But since you're not able to be here, we're going to use this medium to connect and stay connected with each of you. Thank you for your faithful giving. Thank you for all that you're doing to help stay connected with our church family. I encourage you to call someone, reach out. And uh, let them know how much you miss them and how much you care for them. I think that will make a great difference in their life. would ask you to pray for Sister Brenda Murray. Lost a dear loved one last night. And I know she would cover our prayers as a, uh, as a family that we lift her up. Let's go to the word of the Lord tonight. We began a series last Wednesday night called uh, Rebuilding a Masterpiece. And I want to uh, go a little further in our study. I'm going to take you back to the book of Ephesians. We started there last week, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. The scripture says that we are God's workmanship. Another translation of that is that we are God's masterpiece. Some have even interpreted the word that we are God's poem. Uh, Whatever the uh, situation, it is evident from Paul's writing that he wanted you and I to understand something about ourselves. Many times we put ourselves down because we feel unworthy or because we feel that we don't matter. But in God's point of view, you are his masterpiece. And tonight, I want us to go back to chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible, but I'm going to start with verse 1. And you can read along as they put the scriptures on the screen. But it begins like this. Paul, an apostle or special messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by the divine will, the purpose And the choice of God to the saints, the consecrated, set apart ones at Ephesus, who are also faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. May grace or God's unmerited favor and spiritual peace, which makes peace with God and harmony and unity undisturbed, be yours From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who hath blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Ghost blessing in heavenly realms. Even... As in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own, 
in Christ before the foundations of the world. That we should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him and blameless in his sight. Even above reproach. Even above reproach. Before him in love. For he foreordained us. He destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted and are revealed and as his own children through Christ Jesus in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and was his kind intent so that we might be to the praise And the commendation of his glorious grace, favor and mercy, which he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood, the remission, the forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his favor. The New Living Translation says it very similar, but it's the message translation that really seemed to grip my heart when I read it. The the third verse says, long before he laid down earth's foundation, he has made us, or he has us in mind, had settled on us the focus of his love. He made whole and holy, or we are made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Christ Jesus. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we were, before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and in every one. Praise God. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And what a great setting for our message tonight. Rebuilding a masterpiece. And in particular, what does it take to rebuild a masterpiece? And how how is it done? I want you to know and I want you to understand unmistakably tonight that according to scripture, you and I are God's masterpiece. I want you to catch that. I want it to be etched in your mind and your spirit that you are not a mistake, that you are not a mishap. But you are a divinely purposed being that God created. And he created in his own image. 
If there is anything that is made clear to me, and more so even this past week as I began to study the book of Ephesians, it is made clear to me that God delights in how he made you and I. That you are not a copy. That you are not a duplication. You are not a factory assembled product, but you are a one of a kind. There is nobody else like you, and God created you that way for a purpose. Of all the things that God created, of rivers and trees and oceans and stars and galaxies and planets, none of those were his greatest. It was not a sunset or a star nor a mountain or an island, but you... You are the masterpiece that God created. And even when sin lifted its ugly head in the garden, there was a plan and a purpose that God already had. He had fixed in his mind what he would do. The crowning achievement of creation was that last creation and that was made in his image. It may have been made of the dust of the earth, but it had the imprint of the almighty God upon it. And that set man apart from every other part of creation. God did not speak man into existence, but the Bible said he formed him. I remind you again tonight that that word indicates great intent. He crafted you. He designed you purposely. He breathed into man and he became a living soul. And you and I convey in our being this very day that imprint of God, that part of God that sets us apart from creation. And then he set man apart and gave him dominion over all the garden. And so began God's plan and purpose for you and I and for our lives. And so tonight I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what what qualifies as a masterpiece. Well, first and foremost, it's really not a what, it's a who. It takes a master to produce a masterpiece. Second of all, when I started studying and doing a little research about what qualified for uh, being labeled a masterpiece, I found a common thread through all of the various commentaries that were given concerning masterpieces. Number one, it has to be unique, distinctive, matchless, one of a kind. And I believe that you and I should understand tonight that we are unique. We are distinctive and we are matchless in the way that God created us. The second thing is that there must be design to it. It must have 
have a plan. It must have intention. It must have symmetry and so uh, many other things in, in, in that regard. It must be with skill. There has to be some level of proficiency and some level of expertise to be able to produce a masterpiece. It's not a child in first grade with watercolors. It is the man that knows how to handle the brush or to handle the chisel in sculpting. You must have imagination. There must be creativity and vision in what you are trying to create. And if there's anything that that is a picture of God's great imagination, it has to be you and I. There is nothing that is more wonderfully created and designed than your life and my life. Only God could have come up with something like this. It requires mystery. There has to be depth to it. There has to be life in it. That when you are viewing a masterpiece, that there's something about the picture that comes alive. Because there is the impression of the master upon it. It has to have a part of him in it before it can qualify as a masterpiece. It has to capture the incomprehensible. It must have some type of complexity to it. It must be multifaceted. It has to be intricate. It it has to have definition to it. And last but not least, there has to be that depth touch, the perfect touch of balance and texture and color and form and shape. No wonder when the psalmist began to consider himself and others in his likeness. He said, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I would to God that I could get that etched in your mind today because I believe that if you would understand that, it would give you a fresh revelation and an appreciation for what you mean to God and how valuable your life is to him. Oh God, help us that we would be able to comprehend what it is that you have done in us, that we would not just live as spiritual paupers, but that we would understand and appropriate what God has done for us in our life. Maybe if you and I could catch a fresh perspective of who we are and who we were designed to be and become, maybe that would free us to walk in a newness of life. Maybe it would help you enjoy the blessings of the Lord that are all around you, that your life matters, that your life has purpose, that your life has intent. There is a reason that you and I are alive today and there's a reason that God has kept us where we are and we need to embrace that and understand that. I remind you again tonight that what it takes to restore a masterpiece I mentioned seven things to you last week, but the first two are what I want to focus on tonight. You have to see the need to do it. 
And secondly, you have to have a love for the task. When I began studying about the restoration of Notre Dame, what amazed me is how much money was raised in just a short period of time. Over a billion dollars was committed to restoring that relic of man's creation. And I thought, God, if men would be so quick to sacrifice and so quick to give to restore a piece of man's art, a a work of man's hand, how much more readily are you there to restore the brokenness in our life and help restore into our mind and our spirit an understanding of who we are and who you created us to be. But the reason there's such a push for the restoration of the of Notre Dame is because people have an intrinsic love for what it represents. Over 14 million people a year would visit its sacred courts and look upon the relics of religion that were housed there. And they never tired. Many people would come year after year because... There was an affinity. There was a love. Oh God, help us to understand tonight how deep is your love for us. Help us understand what motivates you to do what you do in our behalf. And that brings us to our scriptural passage tonight in Ephesians, the first chapter. There is no book in the Bible that gives such a panorama of God's redemptive purpose like the book of of Ephesians does. Before the foundation of the world to its consummation in the fullness of Christ, the breadth of the entire biblical message is encompassed in the few short chapters that comprise the book of Ephesians. It is clear and unmistakable As Paul paints the eloquent picture of God's purpose for my life and his love for my life. In the most expressive, insightful, eloquent language that could be found. Paul tried to acquaint us. He tried to bring understanding to us of something that is almost incomprehensible. And that is the love of God. A study of the book of Ephesians makes one thing crystally clear to me. That God has a plan for your life. And God has a plan for my life. And God's motivation for that plan is his great love for you and I. Amen. When I thought about that last week, I thought, God, what a powerful motivation. He wasn't motivated because of obligation. I mean, he created us and now we're messed up. We're broken. We're tattered. We're torn. So I guess he's duty bound since he was our creator to try to fix the mess that we had created. He didn't do it because he had a sense of responsibility that it's on me. I'm the one that started this. He didn't do it because of coercion or because of pressure that what if I don't fix this? What are people going to think about a God who can't fix 
what he created? Or was it out of anger that he did it? No, 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 no. The reason that he did what he did in restoring what was broken was because of his great love for you and I. Oh, my Lord, I wish we could understand that tonight. That God's motivation in helping you and I become who we should be is because of his great love for us. He loves me. I wish you could say that to yourself right now, wherever you are, in your home, with your family. Just say it out loud. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. I would to God tonight that I could reach through this camera right now and put my hand on your head and pray for you and help you understand just how much God loves you. Amen. When you start reading the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, it becomes very clear quickly of what all God was willing to pour upon us because he loved us. And I started reading and I read it again and again. Every time I would read it, another word would jump out at me. But I want to go through a list of things. Consider with me from Ephesians 1. You can read it in your Bible. What flowed out of God's love for us. Number one, the scripture says he blessed us. With every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realm. Everything that you could imagine heaven to be. God brought it down into an earthly realm. And he blessed me with what heaven is and what heaven represents. Because he loved me. I want you to know tonight that your life has been enriched by the love of God. That your life has been enriched by his giving. By his investment in you. Don't you ever take a substitute for that. Don't ever fail to understand. Let God draw a circle around you tonight. And in the middle of that circle write the words in capital letters. Loved. You are loved and because you are loved, God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to enrich your life. I'm going to pour things out in your life. You don't deserve. You don't merit it. I'm not doing it because you deserve it. I'm not doing it because you earn it. I'm doing it because I love you. The Bible said he chose us. It's in your Bible. He chose us. He elected us. He said, that's mine. He laid claim to you and I. The the next thing that Paul said is he adopted us. He called us his own. We may have been considered illegitimate by some, but not to him. He said, I'll identify with them. I will call them my own. Then he said, he made us. What did he make us? He made us accepted. He made us accepted. He made us alive from sin to grace. He made us one new man in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to tell us that love redeemed us. It paid the price so that we could be owned again. It paid the greatest price so that you and I could be in fellowship again. And then he said he forgives us. 
Oh, the blessings of God's forgiveness tonight. And then his love revealed his will to us. He revealed his will. He doesn't show that the secrets of the Lord are not given to just anybody. But he revealed those things to us because he loved us. And then he said he gives us an inheritance. He gives us an inheritance. He gives us something to look forward to. He gives us an inheritance and then he seals us with the Holy Spirit of promise. He sealed us. He said, that's mine. I'm going to put my imprint more deeply on him. And then he deposits in us. He, he puts a down payment in us through his spirit. This is a little bit of heaven to go to heaven on. And then he enriches us in so many other ways. Let me go back and highlight a few of those things because they, they, they just keep turning over in my spirit. He said he freely bestowed this on us. How would you would say that? He freely did it. He freely bestowed upon me grace, mercy, glory, himself, And he did it because he loved me. The reason that God has not kicked you to the side of the road tonight, even in spite of your failures, is because he loves you. And the reason that he is not through working on you tonight, and he's still working in your life, is because he loves you. Amen. He loves you. And because he loves you, he's just going to freely bestow. He's just going to open up. The the windows of heaven. He's going to open the door to the treasure house of his glory. And say whatever you need. Here it is. It's yours. It's yours because I love you. It's yours because you're mine. Amen. Because he loved us. The Bible said he lavished on us. I love that word lavish. Lavish. No expense spared. You know, you've heard about these lavish vacations that people take where they just, they just indulge themselves in every whim. Well, that's what God did to us through His love. He lavished us. He just pours on more than you can contain. And even when you don't deserve it, that's when God comes uh, the closest and he pours out on us the riches of his grace, the riches of his mercy, the glory. He lets his glory just settle down on our life. No wonder when Paul tried to go on further in Ephesians and define the love of God that he had introduced us to in chapter one he said I can't find one word that can define it and so he talked about it in a multi-dimensional form he said there's a breadth to love and there is a length to love and there is a depth to love and there is a height to love and if you can know that oh you have known something that is insurpassable the love of God is great it's everlasting It's unbreakable, it's conquering, it's sacrificial, and his love is toward you and I. It abounds toward you and I. I wish that I could get some of you to understand that. 
God doesn't have an agenda against you. He's not angry with you. He may be displeased with your action. But there's something deeper than his displeasure. And that is his love that causes him to continue to work in your life. And he's working right now to help give you wisdom and understanding so you'll live better. And you'll make better choices. The Bible said he restored a breach. He, was, he, he broke down the barrier that was between Jew and Greek. Between male and female. Between bond and free. And he did that so that. You and I could come freely. No wall of division. No separation. Because he loved me. Oh God help us to understand that tonight. That we are your masterpiece. And you are working continually in our life. Because you love us. Beyond question. Beyond understanding. A woman stood looking one day at the Atlantic Ocean and someone overheard her saying, it sure is good to see something that there's plenty of. And when I think about the love of God, that's how I feel. You can't plumb the depth of it. You can't reach wide enough to extend to its reach. You cannot go high enough nor can you go low enough that you cannot find the love of God. Oh Lord, help us tonight to understand that that's what's motivating you right now to keep working in my life. The reason you haven't cut me off, the reason you haven't pushed me to the side is because you love me and you're still working on me and you've got an investment in me that you're not going to let go of until your work is finished. A little undernourished child was found in the streets of a city and taken to a hospital. There the nurses worked on him to bathe him and clothe him. And finally they put him in bed and someone brought in a dinner tray. There sitting in that tray, on that tray before him, conspicuous above all the other things was a large glass of milk. And he smiled, his eyes lit up, and he reached out for the glass. And then he paused, and he looked up at one of the nurses, and he said, Can I drink it all? And the nurse smiled through tears and said, Yes, you can drink it all, because it's all yours. I want to tell you something about the love of God. You can drink it all, because it's all yours tonight. You don't have to live impoverished. You don't have to live beaten down. You don't have to let your own humanity berate you and tell you that you're unworthy. You may have been broken and you may have failed but you are not a failure because he loves you and he wants you to know that tonight and because you are his masterpiece he is unwilling to let go. He is unwilling to stop working and even right now what God would like for you to understand is that no matter how messed up you may feel you are in your life you are not beyond the reach of his love and if God could help you it would give you a greater sense of purpose some of you would quit living carelessly and haphazardly 
if you just understood how much he loves you. And if you understood that, you would understand also what he has given you access to. My Lord, have mercy. There is nothing that he would withhold from them that walk uprightly before him. How God cares, how he loves, and his motivation for doing all that he's done in my life is because he loves you beyond a shadow of a doubt. You're not a mistake. You're not a mishap. You're not any of the other things that life may try to convince you you are. You are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. Don't believe any lie that the devil may tell you because his love is deeper. It's stronger. It is so powerful that Paul said in Romans, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Go back and read that passage again because he names all the possibilities of things that could happen. He said, none of it, nothing. Say it with me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Would you pray with me right now? I feel the Holy Ghost. I pray God right now that you would move in every home, in every family, in every individual's life tonight, God, that somehow they could feel the touch of your hand upon them, that they would understand how valuable you are or how valuable they are to you, how much they mean to you and what you have been willing to invest in their life. God, would you open our eyes and our understanding to embrace what your word has to say about us and understand that the reason that you are still working in our life is because you love us beyond a shadow of a doubt. You love us. Let that love keep us this week, Lord. Let it protect us. Let it be a barrier to keep away the ugly thoughts. Let it break down whatever barriers may be in our life and let it give us access to the riches of your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Say it out loud. I am God's masterpiece. I love you. We'll see you this weekend. Have a wonderful evening.